Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. welcome to a brand new episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. Today's guest is actually someone that I went to school with many moons ago. She is an incredible actress. She's currently on tour with 222, A Ghost Story, a play very close to my heart. She's also juggling that with a two-year-old. It's Louisa Lytton. Hello! Who's losing her mind? (laughs) I mean, it's a lot. I think that play alone is a lot like that emotional roller coaster that you go on as Jenny every night it's difficult to manage I think when I first read the script I was like this is just like reading me I just felt like I was reading myself so I was like oh this will be easy but what I didn't really understand or sort of take into consideration at the time was you know I'm not coming home every night so I'm doing this show for those of you that haven't seen it it's about a couple who I don't really know what I can give away but basically it's an emotional roller coaster for Jenny the role that I play and it's all surrounding a baby who's nearly one and all the emotions that come with having a baby so obviously me then being on tour 
and being away from her, it's been so tough. It's been so much harder than I thought. You know, you've toured now with three kids. It's really hard. But we're halfway and at the same time, I've absolutely loved it because I'm finally doing what I love again, you know? Yeah. And what a piece to be doing as well. It's an incredible piece within itself. I mean, juggling that with motherhood isn't the easiest of things to do, plus being on tour. Have you managed to take her with you at all or not? Every week is different. We are literally winging it. I've had so many people say to me, like, how are you doing this? And what's the setup? And I'm like, well, it changes week by week. Because obviously, you know, with having a two-year-old, before the job started, I put everything into place. She was traveling on this day, on this train, at this time. (laughs) And obviously, if she gets ill or, you know, anything can happen. So at the moment, what we've done is week by week, it's sort of changing. So some weeks she's managed to come with me and my husband because he can work remotely, which is amazing. And then other weeks she's been at home. My mum's been helping out and I've just sort of been commuting, coming back and forth. And other weeks, I just haven't seen her for sort of five days at a time. And then I travel home for the days off. And it's so hard, though, even if they are with you, because, you know, mine are slightly older now, they're at school. But being two, if she's with you on tour, you are literally full-time mummying the whole day. Not that I ever think anyone part I think you're a full-time mum no matter what you do, but you're doing all of that stuff in a day. Then come six o'clock going to the theatre... There's no switch off. There's no space. There's no let up. I think with that show, I do feel like you have to kind of be able to switch off from it or kind of step away from it in some way to go straight into, you know, being up at six the next day and into that before going into another show. It's intense. That's what I found hard, I guess. And also the days that she's not with me, my brain still wakes me up at six o'clock in the morning. So we're really doing two shows a day. We're doing eight shows in five days. So we're doing, you know, a lot. And I finish at, say, 10 o'clock. I get back and I'm like, right, I'll go straight to bed. I'm wired from the show. but You know, you're still on an adrenaline rush. Yeah. So then I fall asleep maybe 12, 1, and then I'm up at 6 because I'm <laughs> used to being up at 6. So, yeah. I mean, I sound like I'm moaning. I'm not. You're not moaning. It's great. I'm so lucky to have the job. I guess I just feel like I've thrown myself into the deep end. Like, she's two. She's at a really, you know, that age is quite difficult anyway. And her whole life has just changed. Yeah. Before this job, I was at home all day, every day with her. Yeah. You know, I, I've worked, but a day here or a week there, nothing like this. But also, I do feel like being on tour is the most difficult job we would ever have as an actor. Yeah. So I've done it now. Yeah. I've done like the hardest bit, if that makes sense. You know, when she's older, I'll be able to explain it more. If I'm filming, for example, I'll be in one place. Yeah. So she can either be with me or be at home. Whereas at the moment, whenever she comes to visit mummy at work, I'm somewhere else. Yeah. So she doesn't really understand that. Like, what are you doing, mum? <laughs> what is this job you have? <laughs> <laughs> but that in itself is really tricky because every like Tuesday, you're in a new place. You're in a new place to stay, call your home for a little while. You settle and you figure out where everything is. And then... It's gear change, different place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember, because I've toured loads before I was a mum and loved it because, yeah. you know, you you find your local coffee shop and just, you know, you just, <laughs> the fun things. Whereas this time around, if I've got good enough Wi-Fi so I can FaceTime her, if she's coming where the closest, like, soft lays, there's been so many times that I've planned a whole fun week for her and she comes and 
she just hates everything that we're doing because she's just <laughs> out of her routine. Yeah. So yeah, touring it is different. When I first got the job, there was a small part of me that was like, oh, I'm going to get a break. I'm going to get time away and be able to sit and read a book. I bought a book on week one. I still haven't opened it. Like no! it's just not what you think it's going to be. <laughs> I don't know why. I just haven't had a second. Still, I haven't had a second. Even it's when weird, she's not isn't there. It? Yeah, it's crazy. So let's talk about your childhood. Where did you grow up? Did you have siblings? What was it like? So I'm an only child. I grew up in London. We lived on an estate. I was there until I was about maybe, God, I don't even know. I think until I left home at, say, 18. So, yeah, it was just me. As you know, I went to a theatre school, which was crazy because nobody in my family had sort of ever been in the industry so it was a new world to everyone and what was your route into it were you like a dancer or did you just love everything I think I love dancing so I started ballet and tap and all classes like that at Italia Conti which right. was not far from my world we were living at the time yeah <laughs> Kelsey we talk about this the enemies <laughs> yeah, I, know, I know we talk about it too because I know Kelsey yeah. really well <laughs> So I started dance classes as a kid. That was my first love. Whether or not I'd ever be a professional dancer, I don't know. But I loved it. And then I don't really know how, but at a certain age, I guess, I auditioned to go to Italia Conti or Sylvia Young, like as a secondary school, got into Sylvia's and that was it. And then I was in. And then obviously I got EastEnders when I was 15 years old. So I was sort of just thrown into this world at a young age. Did you manage to juggle the EastEnders and Sylvia, say, how did you do that? Because obviously you would have been on set a lot. Yeah, so Mr Mack, yeah. who was our English teacher, for oh, those that don't know, who is an absolute legend, who I spoke yeah. to the other day, by the way. We still speak. Oh, I love him so much. He's amazing. I think all of us who are creative after Sylvia's and have gone into past, I think Mr Mack is one of those teachers who definitely left a mark on all of us and he's a massive reason. All of us? Yeah what we're doing he was incredible he was an English teacher but he would like jump on the tables and he was crazy wasn't he anyway so he was my men not mentor he was my what's it called when they have to come to work and tutor he was my tutor no so he would come onto the East Enders set (laughs) and do like classes with me yeah you can imagine oh my gosh But basically, I joined EastEnders a few months before finishing school. So really, I was there for GCSE time. So I would just go back to school to do my GCSEs. And that was it. So I pretty much left school a few months early. Yeah. And I would just go back to do my GCSEs, which was, yeah. I can't really remember it, though. I feel like it must have been full on, but I don't really remember that time. Well, so I think things like that were quite normalised at Sylvia's, I would say. Yeah, of course. I think to my family, like my mum and dad, they was like, what is going on? You know, you've got your exams to do. But yeah, you're right. At Sylvia's, we were always working. So we were always in and out of school. But I loved it. I loved it so much. And then that was it. I joined EastEnders at 15 and it's gone on from there. I would say even though you're an only child, your group at Sylvia's are so tight-knit, like your girlfriends. Still to this day. Yeah. Yeah. My best friends are from school. Yeah. Well, most of my best friends are still from my year at school. Yeah. We kind of grew up together. We did. And it's so funny because you look back now at times where we'd say when we were leaving, please, can we stay in touch? And now we're like changing each other's baby's nappies. Like, it's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? You know, stay in touch. We basically live together. <laughs> That's so lovely. Yeah. Did you ever look to the future and think of yourself as a mum and having your own family? 
always wanted kids I always said I wanted a big family because I was an only child and I don't feel like I missed out growing up but I think I just wanted what my friends had you know siblings and big Christmases and all these sort of big events weren't that big for me Mm. just me my mum dad and my grandparents which was lovely but you know I, I definitely feel like I wanted a bigger family growing up and I always knew I wanted to be a mom. I never really, until I met Ben, was ever with the right person to have really? kids. Did you ever wonder about it, though? Because that's obviously a massive part of being the right person. But I think we're so channeled growing up that we're going to meet someone, we're going to get, like, whatever that is. And I feel like yeah. sometimes we zone in on people that are really wrong, but we're kind of like, yeah. actually, there are these steps that I've got to take to become a mum. Or... 100%. I was with someone for uh, off and on for about six years. It was not a great relationship pull it that way which we can kind of laugh about now but you know at at the time it was chaos I don't think I ever really had the thought whilst being with him of having children Mm. I knew I wanted kids which is quite telling isn't it I knew I wanted kids but probably didn't really want them with him I don't know why I held on for so long but we do what we do and then after (laughs) him actually was when I went into panic mode and I remember thinking because at that time I must have been about 20, I can't remember. I've been with Ben now for nearly six years. Mm. I'm 34. We'll do the math. <laughs> um, I remember panicking then, thinking, what now happens? Mm. And you know what? There was a part of me that I would have just, I would have found a way. I'd have had a child on my own. Because yeah. having a child for me was like the ultimate in life. That's not for everyone, but it just always was with me. Yeah. So then when I met Ben, I just remember thinking, how lucky am I that I've met someone that, I just want to have kids with. Just wanted everything there and then. Did you talk about so, it with him straight away? Oh, I think probably on our first date. It was very open from the start. I remember we went on a blind date. And by the end of the date, it was its so weird, isn't it? Because looking back, I'm like, wow, we must have been mad. But I wanted to know, like, he was from up north. And I wanted to know, do you want to move back there? Because I'm not going there. Do you want kids? Because I definitely do. And it wasn't even in a way of like, oh, I want these things from you. It was just, I'm an adult now. I've been through a lot. This is what I want in life. Are you game or not? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess it's good early days to kind of filter that other stuff. Let's not waste time. And then it was just fun. Exactly. And then it was fun because we sort of got the awkward thing out the way of, you know, this might not work between us, but if that's what you want in life, then great, because that's what I want too. It was never really about us to start with. And then, yeah, everything did then happen really quickly. And we've been together, yeah, six years. We're married, we have a child. She's too crazy. (laughs) When did that shift come, though, from kind of going, we're going to have a baby at some point, to kind of going, actually... Let's lock down. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> Something to do. <laughs> Something to do. Um, it was because we were due to get married and the first lockdown happened. So then my wedding was like postponed by a year. And I remember at the time saying, if this goes on any longer, I don't want to wait. I'm 34 now. So I was 32 when, when I had her. I always wanted to get married first, but I Mm. guess when you just are with someone and you just know, I was like, well, what difference is it going to make to our lives if we're married or not? Like, I'm in this forever with you. Well, weddings were such an uncertain thing at that point, weren't they? The rules were always changing. You got married abroad, didn't you? Did you get married abroad? In the end, yeah. So all that stuff. We ripped out the papers and was like, let's start again. (laughs) 
yeah so that's sort of where it come from and I remember I was working at the time I was in EastEnders at the time and I thought you know what I'm so fortunate that I am working Mm. and at a time where many people were not so I knew that we had like that stability we had no idea what was happening with the wedding so we kind of joked and was like let's just see what happens and it happened really quick we were really really, yeah we were so so lucky like first month quick um, <laughs> what were your <laughs> symptoms and were you a bit like surely not or were you like oh of course <laughs> it was just before Christmas and on Christmas day I had a tequila and I went to bed and I was like I'm gonna wrong and I'm not like you know I can not that I can drink but I would never really be sick and I thought there's no way this has happened that quickly and that was my first symptom and then I did a test like on boxing day I did a test and that was it and we were like but we're not married and we won't have all these things that we needed to do so yeah it happened really quick oh I love that I love that yeah we're so lucky but you just never know with these things how long it's going to take and and that was my point to Ben so I'll go back so Ben's two years younger than me so he's kind of was in no rush and I was like we don't know how long this is going to take and so when it happened that quickly he was like (laughs) I'm like sorry (laughs) did you do the test together yeah like he was in bed and I was like right I need to do a test because I don't feel right I did it in the bathroom and then I sort of came on to him and he was like silent for about two hours he didn't know what to say he was stunned yeah we were together crazy isn't it it's such it's the best moment ever it was amazing and there's no feeling like it do you know what I mean I feel like when other people share you get that glimmer of it the same with like the proposal stuff I think it's a very unique yeah. feeling those things I don't think they come up for me they've not happened in any other part of my life that feeling that comes up it's funny I was speaking to someone about this the other day about how having aura as in giving birth was the ultimate for me like it makes me want to cry now it was the ultimate and I do feel like ever since having her the things that are supposed to feel like oh I'm like yes nice (laughs) that was it yeah yeah which is why I can't really with like I'm in an iron at the moment do we have another one like if we're fortunate enough to be able to do that I know everybody says no it does come again but I'm like I'll never have that feeling I'll never have that love I don't understand how I do it again but I guess that's because all I've ever experienced is just me yeah you know my mum always says I would never love another child the way I loved you that's why I didn't so I guess that has sort of been ingrained into me does Ben have siblings yeah so he wants more he's got a brother and a sister right isn't it funny yeah. though? Because that's what you set out to do. Like you said, saying earlier, you wanted a big family. Whereas now you've got one, yeah. you're kind of like mirroring what your mum has said before. I know, and it's bad. But also, you don't know the reality. You know, I don't know how you do it. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I want three kids. And now I'm like, I'm just about managing with one. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how I do this again. All I can how? say is Tell the chaos. You, you, know, <laughs> you know, the chaos you said you were chasing earlier, that big family vibe. The chaos is real and you have to go at some point go, I'm just going to embrace this chaos. Uh, so yeah. it's different vibes. Yeah, I can remember being in a lift somewhere with Buzz when he was like 10 months old and someone got in. They'd had two and she said, your heart basically just grows. Your heart, it's like it doesn't overshadow the love for the first. It doesn't replace, doesn't do anything else other than just like that love stays the same. And actually, when my kids are nice to each other, 
that love for each of them kind of grows again like that even from when they were like tiny and so your love is still evolving and deepening and stuff as time goes on it's really as time goes on yeah how was your pregnancy it's so funny because I just don't ever talk about this so I'm more than happy to but I never do I really didn't enjoy being pregnant now it was fine as in medically health-wise I was fine I was very lucky I felt sick obviously for the first I think five months but many people do and it was all I ever wanted but there was just something that I just didn't enjoy it and I don't know if it's because I was so worried but you know outwardly not worried and I Mm. kept so much in a lot of it was and it's so selfish and crazy now looking back but was to do with my body changing yeah. Do you think as well you were very aware of that because of being on set, because of having to hide bumps and signs of it? Was that part yeah. of it? I think so. And also I was doing a miscarriage storyline. Oh, for God's sake. In the show. That makes yeah. me want to cry that you'd have to be going yeah. through that at the same time. I know. And it's hard because I don't want to speak about it in a way that it comes... A, they were great with mm. me. It's not their fault. No, no, no. The storyline started and then I got pregnant. Yeah, so it's yeah, not yeah. like they said, oh, you're pregnant. Hey, we're going to hit you with this storyline. It was just how it, it happened. But my character had multiple miscarriages, you know, like yeah. throughout my whole pregnancy. Obviously, I was there till I was eight months pregnant. So I think maybe subconsciously that is what affected me. Yeah. Like looking back, I think probably something I should probably, you know, really look into. But it must have been something to do with that because I was grieving a miscarriage on set whilst my, it makes me feel sick, baby was kicking. Yeah. It was so, so, so strange. So I didn't really enjoy it, but I don't know if it was that side of it or if it was just the, or maybe both, the body change, yeah, the cravings. I wasn't in control of what was happening. Mm. And I do feel like if there is a next time, I will feel very differently towards it. Yeah, It was almost like as well, I didn't really know what was coming out the other end. You know, the moment she was there, I was like, <laughs> what was I thinking? What was I worried about? But... It was a funny time. It was like I was going through the motions, but not really like embracing what was happening. Would people have been checking in on you at work and kind of going, are you okay to do this? And because you want to, I think a lot of women don't want to feel like they can't do something because they're pregnant. But I'm fine. I'm fine. So kind of doing it. 100%. Everybody was amazing. The directors, you know, my cast, obviously everybody was amazing. They are. It's a family there. And even now I am a mum. Yep, it's fine. Yep, I can do it. Yep, I can drop her off and four minutes later be at this meeting. Well, no, I can't actually physically do that, but I have to say yes because, you know, it's not me. It'll be someone else. Mm -hmm. Someone else will take that job. Yeah, it's tough. It's hard for any mum in any industry and any, you know, it's not just within what we do something comes along and it is your whole world and your main priority but you also have to be or society tells you you have to also be this and yeah especially at work I couldn't say no I'm not going to do this I had a storyline that I had to complete before I left the show I would never because of my professional head ever say otherwise yeah it was fine I'm not saying I shouldn't have done it because I did it you know I think I did it well And also, I guess what was pushing me was the true stories that I was telling. You know, I was doing it for those women and I was so fortunate to be pregnant. So I had to do it for those people, for those women. You know, it could have been me. You just don't. Yeah. 
it was a lot and I think that yeah. it was a heavy time well and also for a lot of people first pregnancies that don't come after a loss there can be a lovely naivety that comes with that you know unless people have been you know sharing stories within that but most people it's only when you have a miscarriage that other people go oh I've had one it's for me over the years because I had a miscarriage before I had buzz so 10 years ago right. it almost felt like little secret you know people didn't talk about it and I think it's becoming much more talked about now but I think because of that sort of secrecy around it or that silence it means that you're allowed in that first pregnancy to be naive to the dangers that can happen to those losses that can happen the risks whereas for you I feel like maybe doing the work that you were doing at that time doing that storyline it's like you had gone through those losses because in a way, like you were so much more open to other people's experiences and how pregnancies can end. Yeah, and also the, a big part of the storyline, I should say, was that she had endometriosis. Right. So another part of the storyline was how difficult it could be to have a baby. Yeah. I also felt so fortunate that I was, you know, healthy and pregnant. So I guess this is what I'm saying is there's probably so much more to it than how was your pregnancy? Yeah, not great. It was because <laughs> there was so much going on. Yeah, And as you said, like, yeah, maybe because I was on screen and I was so aware of this big change happening to me, like physically, it's crazy, isn't it? And I look back now and I'm like, oh my God, look at that massive bump. It was amazing. <laughs> and at the time I was like, hide it. Yeah. You know? yeah. Can we put yeah, it behind yeah, a plant pot? What can, what can we hide it with? I mean, towards the end, you could see it in my earlobe. Like, there was no <laughs> way I'm <laughs> There was no way. Because well, you're so it. petite as well. So I imagine, you know. I ballooned. Like, really? Was, I'll show you a photo after. I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how did you feel going towards the birth? Like, with work going on and those massive storylines, did you have a lot of headspace to kind of go, actually, how is this baby coming out of me? I'm your typical story. I did a hypnobirthing course and I was going to be in the water and there was going to be fairy lights and I was going to be playing my Jill Scott album and da 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 da, da. So going in, I was actually really sort of confident. I wasn't yeah. afraid at all. I was at home. My waters didn't break. I ended up having an emergency cesarean. And that's basically where I'm going with this yeah, story, yeah. like many of Got us that. do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even at home, you know, like my the contraction started and I was like... This is it. I was really excited. Really? Yeah. I didn't know what I was having. We didn't find out. So I was really excited to see what was coming. Because some people were like, I knew I was having a girl. or And I feel like for some I people... I thought it was a boy. <laughs> Everybody told me I was having a boy. Yeah. Right. Everybody told me I was having a boy. We only really had boys' names. Oh, really? I didn't name her for the first few days. <laughs> so he's like, well, what are we going to... So, yes. But long story short, I just couldn't dilate. Right. I only got to four centimetres okay. on day three. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was crazy. Anyway, I ended up having everything, epidural, da, 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 they broke my waters. And yeah, we had an emergency section in the end. And obviously none of it matters because she's here, but it took me months to get over that I hadn't had the birth that I wanted. Really? Yeah, it really affected me, which is silly, which is crazy. But I just had it in my head and in my heart that this is how I was going to do it. And it didn't go to plan. And I, it really affected me. Even looking at her, knowing like, well, she's here, she's perfect, nothing happened. Yeah, that really took a lot to get over. Hold up. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Do you think having a plan almost makes you feel like you failed because you didn't follow that plan and had you not had that plan in some ways you'd have been open to anything I do think it was helpful I'm pleased I did it but I think as you said because I then got so obsessed with how it was going to happen and also because my contractions even when they were like they were five minutes apart when I got to the hospital but because I was only two centimeters at that point I obviously didn't get to the point of the pain being so unbearable that you can't you know stand so in my head I felt like I could have done it yeah it wasn't me that didn't allow it you know it wasn't that I said I can't do this so there was a big part of me that was like yeah but I could have done it if only I just dilated (laughs) you know the truth is I would have died if this happened years ago because my (laughs) body just wasn't letting me do it so I you know it is so strange I don't know why we all have it in our heads even the way people phrase it like oh did you give birth naturally Mm. or just the way people phrase it it's so bad yeah because you're like uh well no but you know you know what some of the best hypnobirthing practitioners that I know have multiple children and had experiences where they've had to go for an emergency c-section and actually feel that the work that they did leading up to that and it's why they have become practitioners and kind of you know go down that path with other mums is so that a mum can feel empowered and calm no matter what happens but there is this big societal thing I'd like to think it's shifting but I mean you're only two years in and you're still carrying you had that guilt of not doing it the way that you had set out to yeah and it's really difficult isn't it I think people love hearing the birth stories you know however that happened and and actually we do have to talk because so many people have emergency C-sections or have elective C-sections and that's absolutely yeah. fine. That does not diminish you as a mum and the fact that you've grown a human and you have birthed a human. You absolutely have. Yeah. Like I hate to even say it out loud because I don't want to be judged, but I just felt like as a woman, hmm. it's something in life I wanted to experience and I feel like that experience was taken away from me. Yeah, that makes sense. Even though she's here, like that's what it was. I was like, but I wanted to experience that. I wanted to know what it felt like to go full-term like labour. That's what I want. But I don't know why. Because there's nobody around me that's made me feel like that. Not my mum, not Ben, not my friends. Where does that come from? It's strange. Yeah. Why do I feel that way? You know, as I said, I could have died if that was many years ago. So I should just feel happy that she's here. It's very hard, (laughs) isn't it? When those thoughts or those feelings are in your head and people go, but she's here and she's healthy, so just be happy. Well, stuff in your head doesn't respond to that. It doesn't. And you don't know how to control it, I guess. Yeah. But I have. I've dealt with it now. Yeah, it took a while. And also because I was in a three-day labour, I was exhausted so for months and then I got COVID when she was two weeks old it was like 
I think I was just so exhausted maybe for so long that it took me a while to sort of catch up with myself to be sane again. Yeah. How did that all affect your mental health? Because you have done an amazing campaign with NSPCC about perinatal health. Isn't it incredible? Honestly, watching it just... Give us a brief outline of what the actual film is, because it's so beautiful. It was actually not to do with NSPCC to start with. It was brought to me. There was a campaign for another company. I'm not probably allowed to say who or how it come about. But people had written in letters like to do with mental health as a whole. Yeah. And this letter came in, and my friend who was working on the project said, oh, read this, what do you think? And it was from a, a mum, and I think her child at the time was eight. But it was writing a letter, probably a little bit like what you do at the end of this, to herself as a mum when she first became a mum. And I read it and I remember I was in the bar and I sobbed because I was like, this is how we feel. So the film that I did, it's a short film and it's one woman's story, one woman's letter about being lonely Mm. in a world where even if you're surrounded by people, you just feel lonely. And we are in a world now where people don't necessarily speak. A lot of things are done via the phone or WhatsApp or Instagram, or there's so many ways that we're connected to each other now, but there's no actual real human connection. And how having a yeah. yeah, and having a child, a baby in that time, you sort of put on this act, you know, you want people to think that everything's fine, but inside you're lost. And that's sort of what the short is. Anyway, NSPCC picked it up because they're doing a campaign for mental health within new parents, male and female. I'm so proud of it. I've had so many women message me saying, you know, thank you, I'm only acting, but for sort of telling our story. But I felt the same. I felt the same. I could have friends over or Ben would be sat next to me on the sofa and you just feel like no one understands how you feel, how you could possibly be feeling. Like I was the happiest I've ever been in my life, but at the same time, I was so out of depth, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you feel like certain thoughts that go through your head, you can't say to anybody. I remember standing at the top of the stairs just thinking, like, we're going to fall down the stairs. But don't ever say that out loud because people think it's... These things are so normal. Yeah. These things are so normal. Just imagining the worst all the time and just feeling like... You know, you're on your third night feed or they've been up for eight hours of the whole night and you're so exhausted and you just think, I just don't know how I'm going to get through tomorrow. But you mustn't say anything. But you can because we've all had these thoughts or most people have had these thoughts or feelings because you're exhausted and it's a form of torture. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Sleep deprivation is a form of torture, you know. So it does crazy things to your mind. So that's basically what the whole campaign is, is just about speaking, speaking out, speaking to somebody. And if you don't have anybody necessarily to speak to, you can obviously call their helpline, which is amazing. It is amazing. And your girlfriends, there are more babies within that. So how has that changed your friendship group, you know, having the babies and the toddlers involved? (laughs) We could meet up all day and by the end of the day be like, I hope you're okay because I don't know a single thing about you or your life. It's all about nappies and bottle feeding times and nap times. And yeah, of course, it, it changes so much, doesn't it? Yeah. A lot of my friends, we all went to school together, but we're sort of in separate pockets now. We try to sort of do stuff as and when we can away from 
the kids, but not nowhere near as often as we used to. We were all on holidays and there was so much. You know yeah. all of my friends. You know, there's so many kids between us all now. It's not the same. But then what is so amazing is when we do get together with our kids and they're all sat together, you're like, wow, this is so special. You know, when you've got such a special friendship and then your friends could potentially become friends, like that's something else, right? But of course, all I want to do is go on a girl's holiday right now <laughs> and talk about other things. <laughs> I find it fascinating how so often, though, that will always come back to the kids. Like my best mates, when I see them, I leave and I'm like, oh, we didn't finish that conversation. And because I didn't give them that, like the end bit of that, I hope they don't think that because I've left it there. You know, you just start overthinking things. Does it get easier when your kids get older, though? Because do you feel like you can sort of meet up and they can do their own thing? So you're, or not really? Well, at times, like Cara came over last weekend and we had a big old sleepover with her too. Oh, lovely. It was really, really lovely. And I think... There's a weird level of calm. Like, so I've got three. So add two more kids into the mix. Weirdly, like, they all start playing together and it's calmer than when it's just my three, in a way. Yeah, okay. But the flip side of that is there's still different meltdowns happening from different, you know, there's still different pushbacks. And so did like you get time to actually catch up, I guess, when they went to <laughs> We bed. did. But because it was Strictly night, we stayed up, we'd watch Strictly. We'd had, like, a little dance competition afterwards. So I think it was about 10 o'clock before all the kids were actually asleep because it was wow. a weekend and we both just went to bed we're like we'll see you in the morning <laughs> yeah exhausted yeah. oh can I come next time let me yes, tell yes absolutely yeah, the kids it's are quite judgy seen... <laughs> when it comes to their dancing competitions they're quite judgy right well it's always yeah. only two so she'll just be sat there clapping <laughs> so that'll be fine yeah it's the same thing like even seeing you know the last few times I've seen Cara yeah we've had the kids like it's yeah and I just think, oh, maybe when Aura's a bit older, it'll be easier. Because obviously, you know, up until now, it's been, don't touch that, don't do that. She can't get that. that, that. Whereas now she's sort of very steady, obviously, and able. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, it is easier because a lot of my friends have kids of a similar age. Like we've yeah. sort of had kids within a few years. So one can look after the other or, you know, she can take that out of her mouth. But, like, you know, we've kind of got that. It's just different. It's just everything's different. Yeah, yeah. Soon enough, it'll be just us again, you know. But that, even yeah. that's interesting, like seeing how your friends, kids, like how everyone grows up. And at some point, you know, someone's going to be a teenager and they're going to be sat with you at the table, you know, whereas they'd all be off playing. Suddenly they're with you. Then we'll have the teenage years where they're absolutely with us and then they're going off out on their own. Like there's so many different things, I think, ahead. Aspects, yeah. How old is Buzz now? Nine. Yeah, mine are nine, seven and five. He's up to below my chin now, which wow. feels really, really weird. Yeah. Buddy keeps yeah. telling me he's up to my boob, which, you know, <laughs> he yeah, really lovely, enjoys. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell your friends at the school. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. It does just sort of fly by. And I think what's really important is that when you have friends and you've got kids, I think it's so important. Yes, your kids are going to have meltdowns. They might cry. You might cry. But you carry on get having those get togethers no matter how messy it is because it might be your child having the meltdowns one day but it'll be someone else's next time and yeah, it seems so important to lean on those people who do get you they understand you completely and that's what we are so lucky to have with all of my friends even my yeah. friends that are not from school you know I'm speaking as if all my friends are from school they're not there's no judgment 
I guess I'm one of the last I'd say to start having babies so I've sort of witnessed it all so for me I don't feel that way because if anything I go help me (laughs) what do I do what do I do but I am lucky yeah there's no judgment at all within my friendship group and it's it's about leaning on each other and asking for advice that you just have to ask yeah one friend's advice may not work but you're all winging it that's what you have to remember but I wonder where it comes from where we have that feeling of having to have all the answers when we can't possibly have all the answers like the answers are always changing to every question I feel like you know it's never yeah what works one day might not work next but I feel like the next it's so weird isn't it? I don't know whether it's because we sometimes feel like our mums might have had all the answers or our parents or other people might have all the answers but really we are just winging it and we have to let go of all that noise I think what it comes from is the fear of your, you know, I'm now sort of getting to the point of, okay, I'm not just looking after a baby, I'm creating a human, a person. And it's that thing of, am I doing this right for her sake? Not for my sake, but am I doing, should I be teaching her that? As I said, we were, well, I didn't tell you, I was telling someone else, we were painting a pumpkin this morning because she's not interested in carving out a pumpkin obviously she too she has no idea what Halloween is but Ben bought us a pumpkin yesterday as something nice to do with each other because I'm not going to be here for Halloween and I'm upset about it and she has no idea what's going on (laughs) anyway we're painting this pumpkin and she wanted to like dip the thing back in and I said no darling and she threw the paintbrush at my face and I was like ah what do I do now so she's two does she know what she's done is wrong so I was like please can you say sorry like I'm trying to do the whole like gentle parenting approach she just literally looked at me at like this and just carried on and I thought I don't know so I'm at an estate now where I don't know what to do I don't know how to parent a two-year-old because I've never done it before yeah you know every day is the first that's what I'm getting at is every day is a first so but now what's scary is it's not about Am I giving her enough formula? It's how do I teach her to be kind and not throw the paintbrush in my face? Like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> in so some ways, though, when on. you get to these bits, those things that caused you so much anguish when they were newborns seem so simple, even though I know yeah. that the newborn stage, I literally liken the first three weeks of having a newborn to hell like and I and I said that so early on and I kind of stick by that even though it makes me feel guilty towards those kids who are older now but if yeah. I look back compared to some of the things that we need to face now I'm like ah, oh, you know now you've got someone who doesn't comply if you want to use that word or doesn't you know you have to really try and work your way Big through <laughs> yeah yeah, like I said, I cried last weekend because no one was blooming listening. My kids don't listen to me now. You know, it's this weird shift in dynamic. I don't know what to do. To be honest, sometimes I just the have to turn to Tom. The day, I ignored it. Yeah. I went on for about 10 minutes about why you should say sorry. Please say sorry to mummy. She knows what I'm saying. She understands every single word I say yeah. and she knows how to say sorry. Yeah. She, did she say sorry? No, she carried on painting. Then I thought, do I take the paints off her? But should I be doing that? She's only two. She's not fat. Anyway, in the end, I just 
got I got another paintbrush out and I carried on painting. I got it. And I was like, I just don't know what to do. I need to like read a book on this part because I'm no, I'm not ready for this. But I think it's the same thing. Like, so if I look back to having a newborn and I'm like, I read all the books before Buzz arrived and he hadn't read a single one. And actually it turns out that every baby is different. And the important thing is that you tune in to your baby. I think toddlers and children are different. Like I have to look at all three of my kids and I know that when certain things happen, I have to deal with it in a different way to each of them because different things work you know where I can be firm with one the firmer approach with another simply will not work it's like two bits of a magnet that will just like bash against each other how interesting yeah okay so therefore you always feel like I don't uh, what do I do and there's definitely a thing at the moment where there's no listening happening and I do the feeble thing sometimes of going Tom, you know, he's not li- yeah. like I'm telling dad on the situation. Yeah, yeah. You know, do they sort of listen to mum or dad? Is it all? I can tell myself sometimes that they simply don't listen to me. Okay. And therefore, it's quite a relief when I realise, oh no, they're also not listening to Tom. That makes me feel better. I mean, obviously, you've still got a child okay, who's yeah, listening. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's just nice to know that it's not just me. You just know, you, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm learning every day. It's, you know. We are, we have to. Yeah. And then and the only other, the best bit of advice I was ever given was have like three people that you go to and that is it. So from the moment she was born, someone said to me, it was actually it was actually a director at work when I was pregnant, said just have your key three people and nobody else because otherwise you'll be so confused with all the advice so still to this day, I have three people that if something happens, like the paint situation, yeah. I will ask them. And now you, you're my fourth. Actually. <laughs> I might add you into the mix because you've got three and they're older. <laughs> um, yeah, just otherwise you can get like inundated yeah. with advice and it's too much. And I was the same as you. I read every book and mm-hmm. yeah. It's but yeah, hard. you learn as you go, I guess. You do, you do. And now I'm at Terrible too. <laughs> oh, mate, do you know what? Yeah. And then they become a three-nager. Like, so it's never... But, you know, sometimes it's amazing and I think you just have to take the rough with the smooth. Every day's a mixed bag. Yeah, of course. Louisa, if you were to write a letter on motherhood, who would it be to and what would you say? I would probably write a letter to my mum makes me feel quite emotional because I'm an only child growing up like my mum and dad are still together but my I was my mum's whole world now it's all right she's not got no interest in me at all now (laughs) um so you know we had such a strong bond but then I got to an age where I was a teenager and we just did not get on like it was just hellish for both of us so my letter would just be like I understand it now like Mm. that overwhelming feeling of love and worry and care and I get it now that's why she used to in my words drive me mad because you can't describe that yeah feeling right and the worry and the concern and so I think it would just be to her to say I understand it now and thank you because she is my rock now I am a mum yeah you know I get it now I get why she did half of what she did nothing was bad it's because it becomes your whole world how has having a baby changed your relationship with your mum we were always close yeah we just had our times we had our times but now yeah it's changed it drastically well I'd say now we're closer than ever 
Does that give you like peace of mind or hope, I guess, for when Aura is older? Like realising that, because people always like, oh, girls when they're teenagers or whatever. Does that kind of make you go, it will be fine? Like there might be some pushback, but actually you came back and so will she. Yeah, I think so, because I have experienced it. So I know that feeling of, I know how I felt with my mum was that I wanted to be my own person and break free and have my own, you know, now looking back, I'm like, well, I was 15. Where did I think I was going? At, <laughs> you know, 11 o'clock at night. And yeah, I guess it is the same. So it's just knowing the boundaries of making them feel independent, but also still having boundaries, I guess, in place. Yeah. I hope that what I've learned is, yeah, how to deal with her when she's a teenager. In short is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and if not, my mum can have her because... <laughs> she's done it before she's fine she's done you've done it before it would be a letter to my mum to sort of say thank you sorry and I understand now I like that so we finished the podcast with you completing three sentences first sentence is being a mum means oh you're gonna make me cry aren't you um everything and more I'll take it the next one is since having a child I yeah have put life into perspective <laughs> and I'm happy when at the moment when I'm at home with Aura put her to bed at the end of the day and I feel like I've got through another day yeah thank you I know that touring is so difficult and I can remember being on five or six of the last tour that I did and just feeling like what on earth am I doing and Tom texted me that night and just said look in six weeks time or five weeks time whatever it was you're going to be at home you're going to be doing the bedtime routine and all of that time would have vanished so make sure you're making the most of it while you're doing it that's the only advice I can give you right now make the most of it because by Christmas you're going to be home and you know on this whole new chapter so just embrace it and read this book. I need to open <laughs> this book. That's what I need to do. When you find yourself waking up at six o'clock in the morning, just start yeah. reading. There we go. It's so, 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 so true. Because I already know, come December, I'll be back home thinking, oh, I've not got a job, what am I going to do? Yeah. I, know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And this know. is filling your cup in a different way. You know, this is yeah. you doing what you love. Yeah, it's just letting go of the guilt and yeah. remembering you were a person before, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right then, my love. Thank you so much. This Thank has been delightful. So much. Thank you so much <laughs> for finally having me. Yay! Thank you. We have something very exciting to talk about today. Happy mum, happy baby. Well, we are expanding. We're only releasing our very first record. Yes, move over McFly, move over Tom Fletcher. It's all about happy mum, happy baby. We're going into music, people. We have teamed up with Decca Records and LifeScore to build a one-stop shop for quality, trustworthy, educational music for baby, toddler and parent. Music is such a massive part of our family and I'm so thrilled with what we've created. I can't wait for you to hear it. Now, it's worth saying that all the sounds in the album, they are played by real instruments and they feature real nature sounds. There is nothing processed. It is all organic. And all of the music aims to be enjoyable listening experience for both the child and the parent. No plonky, plonky piano. 
it's all just beautiful musicians with their instruments. Honestly, it's a joy to listen to. We all know the number one rule for getting your little one to sleep is to stick to a trusted routine. And my hope with this album is that our creation can be a part of that and make bedtime an easier transition for all. The Ultimate Baby Sleep album is here and it encompasses three parts of baby sleep and it runs in three sections. Wind down, going to sleep and staying asleep. Running seamlessly from top to bottom for the ultimate baby sleep experience. And each section lasts around 30 minutes. So let's delve into each section and tell you what they're about. The wind down is a perfect calming music for bath time and any other pre-bed activity. This encourages special bonding time between parent and baby to prepare for sleep. The melodies I've chosen to feature within the music have a very special place within my own experience of sleep routine. I loved singing little ditties or little lullabies and, and this, it's just got that lovely, gentle, melodic feeling to it. The melodies can be easily hummed by parents to capture the bonding power of a parent's voice. And actually, as you listen to the music, you might even catch a few melodies of some traditional classics that were just... Ah, oh, they just fill my heart with such love. The next section we have is called Going to Sleep. How we created this was so interesting and I absolutely love the recording process to kind of really feel that breath actually of the musicians as they were playing. It also features natural sounds and it entwines the lullabies from the previous wind down to encourage baby to nod off at their own pace and in a relaxed state of mind. Those two sections, they kind of work together and they build. We've found that this is the ideal transition for baby to acknowledge that it is now time to go to sleep. And then the next section, the final section, is during sleep or staying asleep. I like to call it staying asleep because that's the dream, people. But it provides 30 minutes of natural and environmental white noise derived from nature sounds. And then actually this leads into an additional nine and a half hours of natural white noise for babies to prefer continuous white noise once asleep. No waking up in the middle of the night to press a little button on a sheep. Not anymore. There's been so much thought and love poured into these tracks. We've gone through so many different versions. I've pulled on the music that I love, that makes me feel nice and calm. And together with LifeScore and Decca Records, we've really created something that I feel is really magical. I played it to my kids. They love it. I'm so thrilled. <laughs> Can you imagine if they didn't? And actually, I have to say that even as an adult, sitting at my desk and listening to different versions, I have often fallen asleep in the best way, in a very contented way. Some might call it work, some might call it a nice little nap. Either way, I loved it and it was all because of this album. With 12 hours of continuous music to help your baby sleep through the night, we are so proud to introduce you to Happy Mum, Happy Baby, The Sleep Album. I can't wait for you to hear it and then for you to tell me how you're getting on. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.